Hey, this is Tim from Kalamunda Church of Christ, and today I hope that this podcast blesses you. If you are wanting to know anything more about our beautiful church, why don't you hop online and head to our website at kalamunda.church. As saviour and forgiver of your life, the one who wants to be in relationship with you and guide you through every valley and every high. Father, we just thank you for what you're going to do. I pray for something significant, Lord, not from my heart, but from your word into our hearts. And I praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. 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 You can be seated. Thank you, worship team and everybody who serves here. Whether you serve up front where we can see you or whether you serve in a place where nobody sees you, it is just as important. And I just want to honour you and thank you for being a part of our wonderful church family here. And before I get into the word this morning, we're just going to have a a time of uh, a special prayer. We're going to pray for all the year 12. So if you're in year 12 and you're finishing, I know that some exams are starting this week for year 12s. But if that's you, could you stand if you're in year 12 and you're finishing up? Or even if you're not doing exams, but this is a significant time where you're going into the next season of your life. Hey, if if you have a family member who's not here, would you stand on their behalf if you've got someone that's not here and there? If If you want to receive the prayer, there's no pressure to stand with you, to do what you're comfortable with. But yeah, if you know somebody and they're going into this next season, we just want to speak a blessing and prayer over them as this is a time in life of transition and also pressure with exams and things. And I've actually asked Liesl, would you come and Liesl, would you pray? Um, and I know this was special for you when you graduated and we're moving into that next season. So I've put you on the spot and just asked you five minutes ago, I said, hey, can you pray? Because uh, I love putting people on the spot. <laughs> no, no. But uh, yeah, can you pray a blessing over these year 12s and over this next season? Um, yeah, so if you have a year 12 on your heart, I would invite you to stand. We're just going to pray a blessing over all of them, if you're doing exams or not. So I just invite you to pray with me. Church, reach out to a year 12. Um, we're just going to go into this time of prayer. So Lord, I thank you right now for this time where we can come to honour you, year 12s. Lord, thank you for the work they've done this year. Lord, it's a terrifying year, but Lord, you've been with them throughout and Lord, I pray for this next season. Lord, thank you for the graduates, Lord, that they've come through and they've just praising your name. Lord, I pray that you are with every single one of them as they go into this next season, as they step into adulthood, as they step out of school and into a new season of life. Lord, I pray your blessing upon them. Lord, I pray for any students that are going into their exams this week, Lord. Lord, I pray for peace. I pray for comfort. I pray for strength. Lord, I pray that they rely on you, Lord, and they know that you are with them. And Lord, I pray for all year 12s, Lord, that we are able to... Um, keep championing them, Lord, and they can champion their friends, Lord, and that we can continue to pray for them, Lord, because this is a huge step into adulthood, into life outside of school, Lord, a world that they've known for their whole life. Lord, I pray that you'll just bless them and be with them, Lord, and bless any anxieties, Lord, I pray, take them away, Lord, and just be with all the year 12s, Lord, everywhere, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you, and well done, year 12s. Yeah, thank you. Just going to grab my Bible, if you want to blaze, get blaze to do it. No? You don't? It's all good. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> hey, um, I've been just back on a, back from a couple of weeks' leave, so I just want to honour and thank everyone who has um, uh, helped and, and uh, spoke. We had Pastor Tim. Where are you, Tim? There, over the back. That was fantastic. I listened online. One of the best sermons I think I've heard you preach. So thank you so much for speaking to Nehemiah 5. We had Kerry last week, which was fantastic. We had Rod speak to the young adults on last Sunday night for the young adult service. Thank you, Rod. And um, we're just so blessed here. Not just, and it's not, as, as, as I said, it's not just about the upfront 
ministry. We're blessed with so many wonderful people here at Kalamunda in every part, and we're growing in that. And I just, I think it's exciting to be a part of a church family that is growing. And, and oh, the camp next year, we're, next week, we're going to be, we'll be able to start signing up for camp. Um, and I will start, we'll give you the exact uh, figures and what we've been working through, Dave and the team, um, so that you actually can start by putting away that weekend and getting ready. Hey, I'm going to get into the Word of God because that's what I'm here for. I don't want to get distracted because that's what Nehemiah 6 is all about. We're going to be looking at today. If you've got your scrolls, your tablets, go to Nehemiah chapter 6. I'd love you to, um, yeah, even on your phone, if you could just refrain from going on Facebook and Insta for a little bit and just go to the Bible app and you can follow along because this is a jam-packed chapter. Um, when I was very younger, I don't know about you, but I love starting things. I get excited about starting stuff. And I remember I said to mum and dad, and I was about 10, I don't know, somewhere there, I said, oh, I'm so excited. I'm going to build a rock path from outside the garden area to the laundry. And I had this vision of what it would look like, and I just had this burden on my heart that we could walk across a rock path. And uh, so what I did was I started that, and that must be about 30 years ago. And to this day, there is half a rock path at that farm place where they are, because I love, and we, you know, maybe you're a great starter, you love starting things, I get ex- everyone gets excited, like if you buy a new home, you go, oh, you bought a house, oh, congratulations, yeah, I got a new house. You never see people going, hey, guess what I'm doing? What? I'm maintaining the house I bought 20 years ago. So exciting. Do you want to come and watch me do some maintaining? No one gets excited about the in the middle stuff, about, oh, check out this maintenance I'm doing. And here we are in Nehemiah chapter 6 where some big things have happened, some big things have started, and we're sort of nearly halfway through, and we've seen that Nehemiah was a cupbearer to the king, left his royal position and set off to Jerusalem where he had never been before in his life but with a heart and a burden from God knew and heard that the city was in ruins, that the walls were down, that God's people were not protected and it broke him to the core so much so that he prayed and fasted and he sought God and he headed off to Jerusalem. He got a team of people together that got like-minded and saw the vision and he started to build. And we saw that the first thing he gets is opposition to the building. And then we see all the way through that, that uh, he gets people together to build in their families. And we see a, a, a community in unity. We see the power to build together, that we really are better together. That that's why church is supernatural. Because when we come together, when two or three are gathered in his name, there is God is in the midst. When we work together for God's kingdom... We can see God's results and they're starting to see the results and the wall is getting built. And then we get to Nehemiah chapter 4 and 5 where they get external opposition. Then Tim spoke about internal conflict. There's internal opposition. And so basically Nehemiah is his champion. He's just got to love his character through this book. And we've got so much to learn from him and so much about leadership especially really challenges me. And, and if you're here and uh, you, you're in leadership, even if you're just a parent, you are in leadership. We've all got an influence upon our life and there's so much in Nehemiah that we can see that God can teach us. And he gets to Nehemiah chapter 6 and it says this in Nehemiah chapter 6 verse 1 where we find ourselves in the middle. It said, when word came to Sanballat, Tobiah and Geshem, now remember these three political leaders that are in opposition to the wall, that they represent the enemy um, and the Arab and the rest, by the way, and the rest of our enemies, because they've just seemed to have grown in six chapters, that I had rebuilt the wall 
and not a gap was left in it. So the enemy heard something. Now, was it absolutely true? Not really, because it says this, though up to that time, I had not set the doors in the gates. So they heard that it was completely rebuilt, but Nehemiah's like, I actually still got some doors and some gates, and who knows, having walls in our life for protection is important, but who knows, you also need some gates. You need some, some, some things that are healthy to come in and to go out. And so they needed these gates built. They're so close. They're so close to completion. It's like, you know, when you just get so close to, to, to a victory, so close to where God is leading you, often that's when things get the hottest. You know what I mean? That's when the devil turns the heat up like Shadrach, Meshach and the big Negro, Abednego in the flame. They turn the heat up seven times as hot and they're so close as they're serving God and often it gets hotter when you're nearest your breakthrough. So if you've got some conflict going on in your life, if you've got some things that feel like they're heated up and you feel like you're pushing towards the things of God, it's okay. It's normal. And you will see that this is what happens here. The project is so close to completion. Verse 2, Sanballat and Geshem sent me this message. Come, let us meet together in one of the villages on the plain of Ono. Now this plain of Ono was about 20 miles around about northwest of Jerusalem. But Nehemiah said, but they were scheming to harm me. And this really is the crust of my message this morning. This verse here, don't just let this be like the, the verse of our, the season we're in as a church. So I sent messengers to them with this reply. I am carrying on a great project, or in other translations, I am doing a great work and cannot go down. Why should the work stop while I leave it to go down to you? Four times they sent me the same message and each time I gave them the same answer. They're so close to completion and the enemy realises that they are losing their grip to stop the building. They're actually thinking, man, we've, we need to do something. We've tried external conflict. We've tried internal conflict. Everything's, we've, all this stuff they've come against, but they're still building and they're about to finish and the enemy starts to panic. So they go into ch chapter six and there are three schemes. And my message this morning is resist the schemes of the enemy. And in a nutshell, what I want to say to us as a church and you in your life and me in my life, don't go to Ono. He's saying, come down to this place called Ono. Come down and talk. Let's have a conversation. And if I was Nehemiah and I know my personality, I would have been like, oh, great. Maybe we can actually make peace here. Maybe we can sort some things out. Maybe I can explain, you know, this has been really hard and they'll actually But no, Nehemiah's like, hang on. I'm on this wall doing a great work and I know that you've got plans to harm me because often in that day, military leaders would get um, ambushed and killed in the plains of Ono on the way there. That was a place for that type of thing and he knew they planned to harm him. He knew this was a scheme of the devil. He's like, no, no, you know what? If I leave the wall, I leave the work and I'm not prepared to go and talk with the enemy while the work needs to be done. Lesson one I want us to see this morning is that the opposition to the work of God will always be relentless and the opposition will only stop when you stop. Well, if you've got no opposition against your life right now, maybe, you're, maybe you and the devil are going the same direction. <laughs> the opposition will stop when we stop trying to advance the kingdom. The oppos opposition will stop when we meet Jesus face to face. It's the same for us today. While we don't need to focus on the enemy, we need to be aware that this spiritual battle for our souls, the spiritual battle for this generation is real. 
See, I don't think the enemy is that concerned about people just trapped in sin and darkness. He's happy to keep them there. But when he sees a child of God moving forward, when he sees a church wanting to impact missionally, when he sees a person getting on assignment from heaven, then he starts to put a target on their back. Sam Bella and his crew wanted to take Nehemiah out. And I'm here to tell you this morning, the enemy wants to take us out. Nehemiah was a targeted man. And any person that starts the work of God and to build into the work of God, you get a target on your back straight away. Sorry for the good news this morning. But it's true. You are targeted, but don't let that hold you back. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. It's a promise. Yes. But take heart, he said, I have overcome the world. Come on, we are overcomers. If you're an overcomer, because you overcome stuff. And that's the promise of the risen spirit on the inside of you that will give you the power to overcome, even though we're a targeted man. This is a really powerful point in the book. And it reminds us of a powerful time in Jesus's ministry when Jesus had been baptised and we see in Matthew chapter 4, after his baptism and, the, and God's voice comes over, uh, out and says, this is my son, in him I'm well pleased. He is approved and straight away, led by the Spirit, he's led to the wilderness where the devil tries to take him to Ono. He tries to stop the building of God's kingdom, the building of the gospel before it's publicly birthed. I don't know if you've been baptized. When, often when people get baptized, you get, go through at this moment, you've been baptized and, and you have come on fire for the Lord and it is awesome. But often straight after, you'll experience that this is a time of spiritual attack. Can anybody testify to that? That that was a time where things got hot in my life. And so it's like, even for Jesus, the devil comes at him in that wilderness and wants to stop the work before it starts. And Jesus, every time that he come at him, would say those three words back. He said, Satan, it is written. He came with schemes and the, Jesus came back with scripture. God has a great work for us to do. God has a great work for you to do. Um, the enemy wants to stop it, but I just want to give you three thoughts this morning that I said these schemes and the antidotes. Number one is this. The first thought is we don't have time to be distracted from the work. The first scheme that he uses to get Nehemiah to come down off the wall and go to the plains of Ono is the scheme of distraction. And I'm a big believer that distraction is the enemy of your destiny. With the wall so close, if Nehemiah is off the work, they can distract him. Nehemiah knew one thing. He knew, I cannot fulfill the work of God and go to the enemy's scheme of distraction at the same time. You can't do both. And the enemy would love to take you to a place called Oh No. And it's a real giveaway, isn't it? Just calling it that. Oh No. Not a great place to go, I don't think. And we see in 2 Samuel 11, a, a king by the name of David, David the king, and the Bible says in that time, when, at a time when kings would go off to war, David stayed home. David, at a time he was a king and he was meant to go off to war, he stayed home. And at that time, David got distracted as he's walking on the roof of his place and looks over and sees the beautiful Bathsheba bathing and sees her. And who knows that the second look became a distraction. 
and the look turned to lust. And then David is distracted at a time when kings are at war, at a time when I should be building. I've got a distraction in my life. And the distraction led David to adultery, led David to conspiracy, led David to murder, led David to cover it up, went all the way around until David would one day repent. But who knows, that distraction was because he was not at the work God had called him to. I want to challenge us this morning, what are your distractions? Because often our distractions are a few things. Normally they're personal. They come to you the way that the devil knows he wants to attack you. For example, when he attacked Jesus, he came with that temptation of, hey, turn these stones to bread. Why? Because Jesus had just fasted for 40 days and he was hungry. He comes to where that hunger is in your life and you might have a need that is legitimate, but meeting it in an illegitimate way, he'll distract you with enticement. And so when he comes to, to, to David to entice him, David, the, the, the antidote was be at the wall, get on the wall, get on your project, do what God has called you to do. What are the distractions that come at us even in ministry, even in church? We can get distracted by doing the stuff instead of focusing on the Saviour. And sometimes even ministry is distracting with all the stuff. And by the way, if you're a Christian, you are in full-time ministry. We believe that around here, the priesthood of all believers, that it's not up to me. I have a certain responsibility. The pastors do, the leaders do for sure. But we all will stand before God to give an account for our lives. And he's called us all to full-time ministry ministry and if he can distract us he can get us off the project and that's what the enemy what loves to do distraction 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 so what's the antidote the antidote is what Nehemiah did and the, the antidote to distraction is divine focus I love his reply watch this I love it he's like I'm carrying on a great work a great project and I cannot come down He's, he's, he had his priorities right. He said, no, I'm, I'm doing this. I can't. See, distractions get uninviting when the call of God is captivating. Does that make sense? The, the, the distractions become less inviting when you know that you are waking up in the morning with a purpose and a plan from heaven. I'm on assignment from heaven today. I've got a mission. I've got a calling and I'm addicted to that. So I can't get addicted to the distractions. Amen? What is a great work? Well, a great work could be defined as this. A great work is when it's not about you and it's not about me. It's all about God and his plan and his purposes for his glory. A great work is not about you. It's not about me. It's when it's all about God and his purposes for his glory. And God it gives God glory and advances his kingdom. Now, a great work... You and I are a part of. It's just not about us. It's about him and his glory. But you are called into a great work to be a part of it. Part of a great work is finding out what your divine focus needs to be. I love that movie, The Chariots of Fire. That's an old one, eh? Chariots of Fire, Eric Little, the guy that wouldn't run on the Sunday. But, but I love his quote, Eric Little, the famous runner. He said this, he said, I believe God made me for a purpose. But I also believe he made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. I love that. Eric Little, he felt this call of God that I, I need to run because when I run, I feel like I'm in the calling of God. I feel his pleasure. What is it in your life that when you are doing that, when you're about that, when that's your focus, you feel God's pleasure? 
You feel his smile. It's not that he loves you anymore or any less, but you just know that's what I'm called to do. For some people, it's teaching, and that's what you're called to be. You're a teacher. For some people, it's encouragement. For some people, it's other gifts and, and ministries. But can I say, we all have great works to do. You're a great work doing it, being a parent. Maybe you're a single parent raising those kids. This is my great work. I'm called to do it. Maybe you're a father to father those kids. Whatever it looks like, I've got a great work. I've got this business and I commit it to the kingdom. It's a kingdom business and it's a great work. And I feel God's pleasure when I invest in kingdom ministry. Whatever it looks like, we all have a great work in our marriage, in our family, in our parenting, in our ministry. And the enemy wants to distract you from these great works. But like Nehemiah, we have to have clear priorities. So clear priorities are what fortify us against the enticement of distraction. I love what the psalm says on the next slide. He says, give me an undivided heart, he says, that I may fear your name. Notice in chapter 5, there was a whole lot about fearing God. Nehemiah really did fear the Lord, which kept him on track. Now in chapter 6, there's the temptation to fear man, to get scared, to get scared of what the enemy's saying, to go and meet with man. And, 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 but the psalmist says, give me an undivided heart. I, I can't be divided. I can't be giving myself. I need to be giving myself undivided to the work of the Lord that I would fear God because it's the fear of God. That keeps us on track, amen, with our life. Clear priorities. If we have clear priorities, by the way, most of our decisions are already preset. I'm carrying on a great project. Clear priorities for me, and I know I've said this many times before, and even in my interview coming here, it was about my priorities need to be in life, and I don't say I do this perfectly because I fail all the time, but I'm just like you on a journey. But it is God first, sky second, Kids third, ministry and work fourth. God first is our priority. It is all about Him. It's not ministry first. This is not my first priority. My first priority is the, the maintenance, the maintaining of my relationship with God. If, I'm not, if He isn't my first priority, I've got nothing to give anybody else. God first, family second, work and ministry third. Don't ever let your ministry become your identity. It's not about, this isn't who I am. I'm just Brad, a child of the Son of God who has a calling to preach the Word of God. And I believe that with all my heart and will do it to the day I die. Which is hopefully is a long way away. You could have given an amen then. But anyway, thank you. Clear priorities mean your decisions are already predetermined. And Nehemiah knew clearly, I'm not coming down because this is my priority. What is your priorities? Number two, I move on because we can get distracted I don't want to get distracted. Number two is this. You can't afford to be discouraged by defamation. What is defamation? It is to destroy your character and your witness. And this is what they do next. So he says this, verse four. Let's get back to the word. Four times they sent me the same message. Four times they don't give up. And each time I gave them the same answer, just like Jesus. It is written. Then verse 5, then the fifth time, so we get, they're going to up it a little bit now. Sanballat sent his aid to me with the same message. And in his hand was an unsealed letter, which was written this. Here we go, unsealed. This has been a public letter. This has been an open letter. This has been the gossip among the nations. It is reported among the nations. And Geshem says it's true. 
so it must be, that you and the Jews are plotting to revolt and therefore you are building the wall. Moreover, according to these reports, you are about to become their king and have even appointed prophets to make this proclamation about you in Jerusalem. There is a king in Judah. Now this report will get back to the king. So let us meet together. Please, please come and meet on the plains of Ono because, you know, this is really bad. Nehemiah, this is now when the attack gets from distraction but now it gets to defamation and it gets personal. Don't you love it when attacks get personal? And the enemy wants to make it personal for you. Remember, we don't fight people. It's not flesh and blood. It is the enemy. We're not fighting one another. We're not fighting people who aren't Christians. We're not fighting. It's a spiritual battle. And often what I find when things get turned up in my life, what I look at most is me. Because through adversity and hard times, I feel like I'm being introduced to myself. And sometimes I don't like who I meet. So God's, oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you that you're helping me with that. So now it's moved to lies and slander. And Nehemiah has a temptation. I think he could have had a temptation to defend himself. What do you do when these things aren't true? This unsealed letter that had gone all the way through, had gone viral and everyone was saying this. And what if the king does find out and he, he had favour with the king? What if the king stops everything? Maybe, I, I don't know about, I would be a bit worried. I'd be panicking. But Nehemiah just says this, I sent him this reply. So he did reply, he sent him a reply, texted back. Nothing like what you are saying is happening. You are just making it up out of your head. Then he gives us clarification. They were trying to frighten us, thinking their hands will get too weak for the work and it will not be completed. Here he is again, I love this bit. But I prayed. But I prayed. Now strengthen my hands. Nehemiah combats lies and defamation, not by going and explaining himself, not by going and talking it out, but by denouncing them and saying, that's not true, and going into prayer. When the authorities of his day tried to corner him, he always went to the higher authority in prayer to the king of the kings. And we have that connection when things come against you and it seems unfair, when you feel like defending yourself, when you feel like you need to say something, sometimes there is a moment just to go, you know what, I'm not going to go to people, I'm not going to try and sort, make this work, I'm just going to go to the King of Kings and say, Lord, you know my heart, you know where I'm at, you know I'm not perfect. Nehemiah's like, you know, I just need to pray, Lord, they're trying to weaken our hands and make us scared, but Lord, I'm praying to you to strengthen, strengthen my hands. I'm reminded of Jesus in Isaiah 53, 7. It says this, prophesying about him, that he was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. Catch this next one, the best verse in the Bible. As a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. Shearers in the Bible, just saying that. We're very biblical, very biblical. And uh, I'm starting to not go by the name Shearer anymore. It sounds too bogan. I'm going by, I'm a wool harvesting technician. <laughs> Just so you know, that's what I do, people ask me. Didn't go to uni, but I'm a wool harvesting technician. But Jesus, on a serious note, was silent. He says it like a lamb, and like the word in the King James is dumb. It was dumb, it just did not speak. Jesus could have called 10,000, could have said this, could have done, you're wrong, I'm innocent. But no, he chose in that place just to trust in God and to leave that up to God because what they're trying to do, the enemy is trying to get fear to paralyze you. He's trying to frighten them. Fear was the goal, fear and doubt to cause him to go down to Ono, and, to, and, and that's the same today. The devil hasn't changed his tricks. He still uses lies to bring fear. 
lies to bring fear. What about you today? What would it be that, that, that fear that tries to take you down off the building, take you down off the work that God's called you to do? Maybe it's the fear of failure. Maybe it's the fear, man, if I, Brad, you don't understand what I've been through. If I start to serve God like that again, if I get back into that ministry, if I do that again, I've been hurt. I'm fearful of getting hurt again. You don't know what the, the church leadership did or whatever. And I'm here to tell you this imperfect leadership made stuff up again. But we're here with the heart to say, Lord, you lead us, you guide us, you help us. But why, why would you stand off the wall, get back on the wall and say, I'm not going to let fear hold me back. I'm going to trust God. Maybe it's the fear of failing. Maybe it's the fear of missing out. Maybe it's the fear of whatever it looks like for you, the fears, fears that come to cripple us, the fear of man, what will other people think of me if I give my life to Jesus, if I go all out. Fear will always leave us in a place of, oh no. And the enemy will try to get us to fear, but God wants to pull us out of that fear with faith and love. You know, fear is just not our normal thing of DNA. Do you ever see a baby get real scared of anything? No, they'll go up to a lion and pat its face no, just innocently because it's something we've learned, isn't it? Something that's happened to us. And so we need to go, hey, Lord, thank you that I'm born again. Help me to live, as the Bible says, fear not. All through the Bible, fear not, fear not. For I have not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, love and a sound mind. That's who you are. And don't let fear take you out from building where God would have you build. Nehemiah chose not to agree with the defamation, chose not to agree with fear. And then we move to chapter verse 10 where the, the scheme goes up another level to deception. It says, One day I went to the house of Shemaiah, the son of Delilah, Deliah, the son of somebody else that spelt there, who was just shut in at his home. He said, Let us meet in the house of God inside the temple and let us close the temple doors because guess what, Nehemiah? Men are coming to kill you. By night, they are coming to kill you. Now it's turning to deception and death threats. But Nehemiah said this. I love this. So just on that, so he's trying to say, hey, you get, this is serious now. They're gonna, if they take the leader out, they, they stop the building altogether and they've decided that's what's going to happen. But Nehemiah says this. I love his response. Should a man like me run away? Or should someone like me go into the temple to save his life? I will not go. Verse 12, I realized that God had not sent him, but that he had prophesied against me because Tobiah and Samballot had hired him. He had, hired, he, was, he had been hired to intimidate me so that I would, would commit sin by doing this. And then they would give me a bad name to discredit me. This is very interesting that how Nehemiah, the key word in verse 12, I realized that God had not sent him. Nehemiah had a discernment that this was not in line with God's word and God's will. God's will was not for him to go and hide in church, like come and hide under a pew somewhere Nehemiah and just be scared because they're coming to kill you. Nehemiah knew this was not God and he had discernment. And I think that's a powerful thing. How do we, how do we overcome deception? through discernment and Nehemiah did it because he knew God's word and God's will and I want to tell you the way to grow in discernment and I'm just on the journey like you is the closer we stay to this book the more discerning we become the more sharper you will know the closer we are to the word of God the closer we are to scripture it'd be like Tim's sermon a couple of weeks ago we go back to it well what does the word say the more it's familiar with us the more discerning and sharp you'll be no that's not of God because it doesn't line up 
with the word. And Nehemiah's like, I'm not going to get scared here. I'm not going to let them deceive me. And he had this discernment. And, um, and that's really what happened with Adam and Eve, wasn't it? When God, the, he, the devil tried to deceive them by getting them to move away from the word of God. When the enemy came up as a snake and said, did God really say you can't eat? Is that really the word of God? And deception comes. And Nehemiah was not going to fall for it. But I love what he says. He says, should a man like me run away? Nehemiah knew that he had divine influence. And he knew that a man such as him, I just love it. Should I run away? Like God has been with me all the way. It hasn't been easy, but God's with me. I'm not running, I'm staying. And when we know our divine focus, resist the schemes of the enemy, we also need to remember to stand in our divine identity. As the team come back up, and I'll get you to come back up now. I'm going to close off in a second, in a moment. Um, we could say it this way. Should a born-again, blood-bought, spirit-filled child of the living God with resurrection power on the inside and a purpose to fulfill on the outside run away from my calling? I will not. Nehemiah had resisted ridicules. Threats, destruction, defamation, deception and discouragement, but because he was discerning and focused on his assignment from heaven. And as we're coming to a close, I want to challenge you with a few thoughts. Do you know your divine assignment from heaven? Do you know why God has put you here in this season and what God is calling you to do? And it doesn't need to be really like, like complex it doesn't need to be really hocus-pocus or trying to find the will of God. And we ask that question. God's will is just in his word. God's, as I always say, ministry is just the next person in front of you. It's just serving. Calamunda Church of Christ is a place where just start building. Just start serving. Just say, where can I serve? What can I do? Uh, our ministry is our families. Our ministry is so, it, it's actually really easy when we just get our priorities right. God, you first. My marriage second. My kids and family, my work, my ministry. And that will look different for you, I know. I'm naming, you might not have kids. You might be a young person here. You might not be married. It's God first. Then whatever you believe that God's calling you to after that. But we're called to build. Do you know what you're meant to be building? Verse 14, the last bit here says this, Remember Tobiah and Sam Ballot, my God, because of what they have done. Remember also the prophet, that guy, and how she and the rest of the prophets have been trying to intimidate me. Verse 15, so the war was completed on the 25th day of a lull in 52 days. This is a crescendo moment of the book. The war, 52 days. This is impossible. 52 days, Nehemiah was seeing what God would do with a man who was sold out to his purposes. 52 days, Nehemiah was seeing what he was born to do with, with the burden on his heart. And when we really encounter Jesus in his ways and his calling, when his calling to build in how, where God's called you to build is the priority, I don't need to go to Ono. I don't need the enemy to come and distract me. I don't care what people say about me. I'm doing a great work building God's kingdom. You're, you're doing a great work building a marriage. It's a great work building a family. It's a great work building, building this church. You're a part of that. This is a great work because this is a work that will last forever, that will go into eternity. You know, in heaven, there's going to be lots of ministries, like there'll be fellowship, there'll be worship, 
But you know, there's one ministry that won't be in heaven, and that's evangelism. That's reaching the lost. We won't be doing that. There won't be a program. There won't be a faith promise mission fund in heaven to reach the lost. And that's why I say it with all seriousness. This is the time. This is the time to keep building, to keep the main thing, the main thing. And to get on that wall where you're called to build and say, I'm a part of this. I'm a part of building. And maybe you're here this morning. You feel like you're in Ono. You're distracted. You're down there talking to the devil. Man, come on. It's time to say, Lord, I'm getting back on the wall. I'm getting back to build. And what that looks like for you, only the Holy Spirit will reveal that to you. And hopefully this morning He's speaking to you. You know, there was a great work happening over 2,000 years ago on a hill called Calvary and on a cross. And when Jesus was up on that cross, He was doing the greatest work that could ever be done. And did you know the Bible is clear and says that there were people ridiculing Him, defaming Him. And they even looked up to Him and they said, Come on, Jesus, if you're the Son of God, come down from that cross. Come down to us. And Jesus said, it didn't say much to them, but He was doing such a great work that He could not come down. He actually said prior that, He said, I am here and I will do the work that my Father has sent me to do. I will finish this work. The Bible says He set His face as flint to go to Jerusalem. He was divinely focused to go to the cross, to do this great work. And he said, come on, the devil's like, come on, why don't you come down? But he knew I've got a mission to complete. I'm up here building the gospel, building the kingdom. I've got to finish it. And his last words were, it is finished. And then he gave up his spirit. And you and I now can be forgiven, can be set free because of the great work that Jesus would not come down from. But He calls you and me to take up our cross and follow Him and build and build and build and don't go to Ono, but keep building. Would you stand with me as I pray a blessing over us this morning? Father, we just thank You, Father, this morning for Your Word. Thank You for every person here, Lord. I thank You for the great work that You have accomplished. And right now, if there's any person in this place, as eyes are closed and heads are bowed, just out of respect for the Lord and one another, Lord, as we just have this moment of stillness, if you're here this morning and you would say, Brad, I've never realized that great work that Jesus did was for me, that I could be forgiven, that I need my sins forgiven, that He died on that cross for me. If that's you this morning, you've never received Jesus, I'll open my eyes and I'd just love you to wave your hand and say, I've never done that. This morning, I just pray, will you pray for me? I want you to pray for me. If I see your hand, once I've seen it, I'll acknowledge it. But that's you. Just want to give an opportunity for salvation, that you're coming to Jesus for the first time. You've never done that. Anybody at all? Cool. Always love to give the opportunity. I feel like it's a crime to preach the gospel and not give an opportunity. So we give that opportunity. Father, I just thank you, Father, today for every person here. I just pray, Father, that we would be divinely focused here at Kalamunda in our hearts and in our lives. Father, that we would realize the great work that we are involved in with you in our life, building our relationship with you, loving you and loving others. Lead us and guide us. Father, I pray for people that maybe today we feel like we're in that place of Ono. We've actually left some of the, the temptations and the schemes of the enemy I haven't resisted them. I've, I feel like I've gone off track. I'm off the wall. 
the good news for you is that the gospel is great news, that it's just a turn away. God hasn't moved if you have, and He just says, hey, turn, repent. Repentance just means say, hey, Lord, I'm coming back to you. I'm turning around and going back in your direction. Father, I'm coming back to build. Whatever that looks like for you this morning, I pray a blessing over every person, every family, every marriage, every business. Lord, every ministry, would you keep us focused on the great works that you're calling us to do and that we will not go to Ohno. Father, thank you for the food we're going to receive soon around the grazing table too. And I thank you for the hands that have prepared it and pray you bless that to our bodies. And everyone said, amen. Let's go out with joy this morning. I just want to also, I uh, didn't say it before, but if you're visiting with us, I know um, uh, Les Moody Baptist Church has got their camp on this week. And maybe there's some people here, I think, from Les Moody Baptist. Just want to extend a warm welcome. It's great that you could come and fellowship with us this morning and look forward to grazing with you. Hey, if you're here this morning and something just really significantly has impacted you that you feel like you need prayer for, then our prayer team and myself will just be available at the front. If you come down to one of the sides, uh, we'd love to pray for you. That's always available. So thanks, Abby, to lead us in our last song.